You may kill me, but you may never insult me. Who am I? I'm Kevin Jack Sparrow. Get the truth about movies on the movie show. If he were telling the truth, he wouldn't have told us. <laughs> Tell them, Sparrow! Unless, of course, he knew you wouldn't believe the truth, even if he told it. Mm-hmm. Hello? Joey, it's Ross. I need some help. Help has come your way because you are listening to the movie show. What is up? Hey. This is the movie show. On your favorite ORSPS. Active FM. The movie show. The mm-hmm. movie show. There we go. And this is Sash. He's Ryan. Ha! <laughs> and you, today we have got another exciting program for you. Quentin Tarantino's third film, 1997. I was born in 1997. Lots of facts. Yeah, lots of facts. And no new actors. No, there are some new actors. There are new actors. Yeah, we are on the Quentin Tar- 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 Tarantino uh, roadway, highway. Mm-hmm. So remember last week we spoke about he so his first film was Reservoir Dogs. Samuel L. Jackson auditioned for Reservoir Dogs, didn't get it. But then when he did Pulp Fiction, he specifically wrote a role for Samuel L. Jackson. He did that again with this film. So the chick that acted as the main character, Jackie Brown, she auditioned for Pulp Fiction, but then didn't get the role. So when he did Jackie Brown, he specifically wrote the role for her. That makes a lot of sense. Right? Well, that's cool. That's cool. Quentin Tarantino. So, let, if I read you what is off, does that make sense? If I read you, if I read for you. If I read. If I read. Yes. When, when I read this, <laughs> it'll give a really perfect, uh, for me, a, a, a uh, explanation of this guy's movies. All right. You're a Quentin, Quentin Jeremy. Ooh, Tarantino is an American filmmaker and actor. Yes, his films are characterized by frequent references to popular culture and film genres, non linear storylines, right? Mm-hmm, right, right, mm-hmm. right. Dark humor, mm-hmm. mm, stylized definitely. violence, definitely. extended dialogue, definitely. <laughs> pervasive <laughs> use of profanity, definitely. Cameos, yes. and ensemble costs. Other directional uh, troops that identify his styles include the use of songs from the 1960s very, and yes, 70s. Very true. Yes, and. Let me just tell you how his career started. Tarantino began his career as an independent filmmaker with the release of the crime film Reservoir Dogs in 1992. His second film, Pulp Fiction, in 1994, dark comedy crime thriller was a major success with critics and audiences winning numerous awards including uh, this name which I will not announce and the Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay. In 1996, he, he appeared in, in From Dusk Till Dawn. But that wasn't his film. He, yeah. It wasn't directed by him. So it's not part of his nine films. <laughs> Fact. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tarantino was born in March 27, 1963. So, just work out quickly how much his age is, when his birthday is. Put in your calendar. There you go. Uh, in Knoxville, Tennessee. Hmm. Wow. The only child of, you know, the father. Right? He seems like an only child. <laughs> he really is. <laughs> totally. Like, he gives off the only child vibes. <laughs> totally. His dad, Tony Tarantino, who left the family before his, before his birth, even. Sure. Was actually an actor and director as well. What? How crazy is that? How crazy. Now That makes sense. That because Quentin Tarantino has such a, a wide range of knowledge when it comes to films. He does. But not just modern films. He goes like way back, like especially if you watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the character that Leonardo DiCaprio plays is basically the old film. Yeah. 
era and industry. And Quentin Tarantino was able to give Leonardo DiCaprio a whole lot of old movies and old actors from like before the 1950s that were like the the top, the best, etc., etc. Yeah. And he knew about it, which means that makes sense why mm. he knew about it because his dad obviously was into that era type of thing. Through the 1980s, Tarantino had a number of jobs. After lying about his age, he worked as an usher at an adult movie theater mm. in Toronto. <laughs> go, go, <laughs> Called Tarantino. the Pussycat Theater. He spent time as a recruiter in the aerospace industry. Wow. What? Wow. Yeah. And for five years, he worked for <laughs> at a video archives. Yes, video that's, store that's in where he got Beach, the California. Reservoir Dogs. Someone <laughs> said, I don't want no Reservoir Dogs. And that's where his first film idea came from. So there's uh, just some few interesting facts that I picked off the Wikipedia page of him. But Pretty cool. So if you don't know, if you if this is your first movie show, we ha- are basically doing a Quentin Tarantino marathon because he has only made nine films and his first film came out in 1992. So it's not that Dennis like he could have made more films if he wanted to, but he's he decided that he's only going to make 10 films in total for his whole career yeah. because the reason he, he said that is... <laughs> he basically said what happens is when people get older, like their films just like go downhill and like quality goes downhill. And basically by the end of their career, they're a total like stuff up. So for him, he was like, I'm going to make 10 good films and then I'm just going to stop. And then those are going to be my 10 good films. So that's basically his whole thinking behind it. And he's made nine so far. So far before this marathon, we had watched three. So unintentionally, we had watched three of his films. Now we have watched six of his films. So we have three more to go. I know it's Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2. And, ah, flip. I know it. I just can't remember it. <laughs> yeah, there's another one. I'm still on Wikipedia page. Okay, there we go. Somewhere, yeah, there's all the films. That big block with all the... <clears throat> The, the films that he's okay. but now specifically this is films that he's directed he's Quentin Tarantino has been involved in a lot of films he's either been mm. he's uh, he acted in um, Once Upon a Time in Mexico no there was a film there was a film that he acted in with Antonio so, Banderas Reservoir Dogs Pulp Fiction Jackie Brown Kill Bill 1 and 2 Death Proof Inglorious <coughs> Death Proof I think it's that one probably 2007. Then, and then Inglorious. Uh, and then Django. Yeah. No, there's another one. The Hateful Eight. The Hateful Eight. And then Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Hollywood. There we go. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, so eight. eight, nine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this week we Did are looking at... Seven, eight, nine. Did you know where the sh was? Uh, Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2. <laughs> oh, did you make it right? <laughs> it's one film. It on. is technically. It's a one Volume film. 1 and 2. So Come on. Yeah. So this week we are doing Jackie Brown, which was released in 1997. This film, so it was his third film. Um, Pulp Fiction was a huge hit. It mm. brought in two, uh, brought in 219 million US dollars. Uh, this film, Jackie Brown, didn't do as well as Pulp Fiction. I think it only brought in 70 million. I mean, only brought in 70 million. I mean, but obviously compared to like Pulp Fiction, it didn't do as well as mm. Pulp Fiction did. But st- I must say this was, it was different. It definitely was. In fact, there's a lot of like, if you go on YouTube, there's a lot of videos that speak about why Jackie Brown is so different to all the other films that Quentin Tarantino has made. So like the first two films that came out, they were action packed. They were gory. They were, they were just like, like 
quick and do you understand what I'm saying? Not necessarily quick because there were still long dialogue pieces. But with this one, this was more... It was more of like a heist film than anything, if you understand what yeah. I'm saying. Like it was slow. It wasn't. It was slow paced, actually. Yeah. Like the the third act is when the the heist actually happens, and that's when you're like, oh, you know, in heist films, you always mm. have that. Oh my goodness, are they gonna make it? Are they gonna get out? Like that. This is the, where they die, isn't it? Oh, flip! And it was actually very mm. stressful. Like that that one shotter of her walking out of the dressing room to you don't know where she's walking to, and the camera just stays with her, and you're just like, you look. And she's panicking. She's like freaking out. And then she eventually goes to the cops. And Michael Keaton. How young you, was Michael? He was a, was a young. I feel like Robert De Niro was always old. For me, always. To, for me to see Robert De Niro was. was but, but he was still old. I was expecting role, him to be young. But in this role was very different. Yeah. Like he, he was Apparently, just very like. Him and Quentin Tarantino didn't get along. And I think it's also because he originally wanted the role of the the bail the bail bond. So Robert Foster got the role. Oh, okay. Um yes. He actually ended up winning an Oscar for that role. Yeah. But um Quentin Tarantino wrote the role for Robert Foster. He yeah. actually, wrote, when he wrote the script, that role was for him. And Robert De Niro wanted that role. But yeah. obviously, Quentin was like, no, I've already written it for yeah. someone. So he then gave him the role of Samuel L. Jackson's friend that just got out of prison. But he didn't have a very big role. And I think they, they said that's why him and Quentin, there was um like just a, conflict. Just a, uh, yeah, okay. Because he really, Quentin, mm. didn't, I mean, Robert De Niro, and he was barely in, like, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, when you mm. hear Robert De Niro, you're like, wow, you know, Robert De Niro is in the film. And he was barely in the film. <laughs> yeah, so. That's what I was saying. I was surprised with his role because he was just very, like, just there. I feel like the only reason his character, what? I suppose he helped Samuel L. Yeah. Jackson to a degree. Samuel L. Jackson, apparently this is Samuel L. Jackson's favorite Quentin Tarantino film. Mm. Jackie Brown is is Samuel L. Jackson's favorite. I was like, Well, Shall? the character that he played w w was a lot more... Yo, I didn't like him. As much as I liked him in Pulp Fiction, I did not like him in this one. His character, you, yo! Yeah. He, he, he wasn't smart in this one either. No, 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 in no. Pulp Fiction, there was this intelligence yeah. to his character. Yeah. yeah, he was just like a... Dumb gangster. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically what yeah. he was. Yeah. That like threatened people. Mm. And Jackie was the more intelligent one out of the two. She, mm. yeah. And it was, she she was quite an interesting. She was because yeah. you were trying to, you were trying to sort of get her. Yeah. You were like, wait, what? Like she just seemed like, okay, cool. Yeah. And then, yeah. So Quentin Tarantino met Robert Foster in a restaurant and handed him the script saying, you're going to do this and that's all there is to it. Foster was naturally thrilled having a major career slump and this was the first film that saw him come back in a big way, even landing him an Oscar nomination. I enjoyed his character. I, yeah. I think his, his character was my favorite character in the whole film. Like I thoroughly enjoyed He was just so calm and... Like, he, sh uh, he didn't fit in a way. Like, he, he didn't fit in the story. Like, but he, f he, f he fits, if you understand. Yeah. I don't know how to explain it, but yeah, I really enjoyed. And then Pam Greer played Jackie Brown. And when she walked into audition for Quentin Tarantino, she said that there were posters from of her from 20 years ago 
And she actually said to Quentin Tarantino, did you just put these up because you know I was coming over? And his answer was, no, I was going to take them all down because you were coming over. So he was a big fan of uh, Pam. Oh, wow. So much so that he literally stayed. Now, remember, in Pulp Fiction, he'd worked with John Travolta. But he stated that Jackie Brown was the first time that he worked with like a major Mm. actress, which is impressive because it means he didn't consider John Travolta to be this major actor compared to her because he said this film Mm. was the first time he worked with a major. And I mean, he'd worked with Bruce Willis. He'd worked with Quentin Tarantino. Well, there's a lot of people saying that he he, he's. Uh, he he's brought a lot of seventies acti- yeah. actors who were sort of like just sort of their careers were just not really. They were obviously big in the seventies, yeah. but then they took a slump after that. And then he sort that. of pulled them back up again. Yeah. Type of thing. Which is, if you think about it, mm. think about this right. Leonardo DiCaprio's character in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood mm. was exactly that actor. And in the movie, what he did for Leonardo DiCaprio's character oh, is he brought this this dying out actor, Western that, yes, cowboy, that had, that was brilliant in his day, mm. but now the new film era didn't have a spot for him, and he brought, which is kind of now what he's so he done. Was on his way out. Yeah, but you can see how yeah. that era Tree. really affected Quentin Tarantino yeah. by like the the different things that he pulls into. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and in his words, were were you know. It's not that he he aims for these characters. He doesn't see them and say, "Oh, that's such a oh, I want to pull this guy back." Mm. He, he just sort of writes a r- writes a story for that actor, and because they act good, he's, he said they don't even have to look hot; they just have to be a good actor. And then he pulls them in, and then bah, there you go. They're, it's like you know, it's another boost. That's up. true, actually, because mm. if you look in, and okay, let's be honest, yeah, people. Let's just be dead honest. Most films have good-looking people in them, like looks is a factor obviously there's character description but let's think about this good looking people in a film i think help sell the film so that's why like producers and directors will go for good looking people but if you think about quentin tarantino his film often has weird looking people (laughs) in his film do you understand what i'm saying like you look at them and you're like okay but it's obviously because that's his style his style isn't the good looking person it's yeah. more he is looking at the acting and honestly for me Brad one of Brad Pitt's best performances is in a Quentin Tarantino film and one of Leonardo DiCaprio's best performances is in a Quentin Tarantino film yeah. for me so like I think he really he knows how to to get the most out of the actor as an actor yeah. he's not just do you understand what I'm saying mm. he, he really pulls the performance out of them which I thoroughly it's one of I think it's one of the reasons I thoroughly mm. enjoy his films. Even if you look at like Samuel L. Jackson, like he pulls out acting out of like you have yeah. you have Nick Fury, right? And then you have Samuel L. Jackson it's in so a Quentin different. Tarantino film. Yeah, and it's like it's so it's not even the same the person. Two. Yes. It's and he's different. been in a lot. He was in Django. Yeah. He was obviously in Pulp Fiction. Mm. He was in um Jackie Brown. And do you remember what he was like in in, in the Django? Was he, it the he was the the he was slave. Like, he was Leonardo DiCaprio's like head slave. Like really yes. old guy with that accent. <laughs> really, it's like, what is this guy doing on a horse? <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's like what the hell? Yeah, shame. So this film, from a, a gore perspective, it's not as bloody nah. as um, mm. especially risk for dogs. Remember that that dude's lying mm. in his own blood. In fact, for half of the f- no, for most of the film, that undercover cop is bleeding like he's. 
lying in his own blood like dying out but in this film so apparently people complained about how bloody and gory Quentin's first two films were so he actually toned it like a lot down in fact you don't see blood in this film because spoiler alert when the blonde chick gets that chick that chick was insane she was just like high I was trying to get her I was like what is she doing no she was okay yeah when she died I was not that I was like you had it coming though like you really like if you're really gonna taunt Robert De Niro yep. like that like what do you think is gonna happen yeah. but when he shot her he shot and he shot her twice you don't see her she just gets she goes out of the frame mm. also in the beginning when um, Samuel L. Jackson shoots that dude in his boot you don't see anything and then yeah, um, it's like this long shot yes when Robert De Niro spoiler alert dies you don't see anything and when Samuel L. Jackson spoiler alert dies you do see him his dead body but it's not gory in any way yeah. yeah and then also this is a this is this is a Quentin Tarantino trait is he'll have a corpse POV so what that is is once <laughs> once someone's died in his film he'll Put the camera where the dead person should be and have the actors look at the camera. So it's mm. a POV, but it's literally a corpse POV. I even remember Brad Pitt's um, his corpse POV in Inglorious, that movie. I don't know if you remember that. Beep. Right at the end of the movie, yeah. there's that 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 corpse POV mm. that takes place. So that is a That's thing that an he interesting does. Interesting shot actually, because usually when you do a POV, you're putting the audience in that person's yes shoes. Basically. So now you're putting the audience so in the dead, dead person's shoes. So if you're dead, it means... Killing the audience. It means you're watching what somebody thought about you. Like how they just... Ah, oh, we just killed him like a dog, you know? Yeah. Oh, well, shame, you know? Mm -hmm. Type of thing. <laughs> yeah. So um, in the first mall scene where you see Max Cherry, who's, the, who's played by Robert Foster, he's seen exiting a movie theater while the music for the ending credits is playing so you can hear the end credits what? playing that music is the closing music for the film itself wow how cool is that it's got something eh? i know right yeah and then also quentin tarantino compares this film to rio bravo which came out in 1959 you see what i'm saying like who's watched a movie from 1959 Quentin Tarantino, and he will use how it well in his film. Was that, how well known was Probably, that film anyway? Probably. I feel like I've heard that name before. I haven't watched the film, but he said it's a hangout movie. That's how he explains it. He says Jackie Brown is better the second time, and I think it's even better the third and the fourth time. Maybe the even the first time we see it, we go, why are we all doing this hanging out? Why can't we get more of the plots? But now the second time you see it and the third time you see it, you're not thinking about the plot anymore, obviously, because you know what's, what's going to happen. You're waiting for the hangout scenes. Yeah. To me, that's the thing that Rio Bravo 1959 did. I remember the first time I saw Rio Bravo, I, but I remember more the 15th time I saw Rio Bravo. So he did what you did with Tenant, mm. except you didn't get that far, did you? <laughs> yeah. So he says, basically, he says it's about hanging out with the characters, which if you think about it, that is a brilliant depiction or description of this film. And, and he's actually a good director to do that yeah. because of the long dialogue. Yes. Scenes. And the interesting dialogue. Because yeah. you literally do feel like mm. where most films are like um, plot they'll heavy. They'll talk about where the film is leading. Yes. Instead so, of talking about something in the person's life. You yeah. Know? Hey man, didn't your mother say that she don't know yeah. that thing? Dude, that was my mother. That was John. Wait, what happened to James? Yeah, like you're literally watching these James two characters hanging out. Yeah. I don't know. 
We should give him a call later. Don't forget. Okay, write a note and have you got and a pen. And then later you'll get the call <laughs> on the end of the film. Yeah. Hello? <laughs> this where's is John. Was that pink? No, we left it in the dude that we showed, you know. So yeah. that's true. Because also, like, mm. I felt like the action mm. really only happened mm. in the third act because that was when the heist, the heist happened. Mm. Whereas before that, it was kind of like... It was just you were you were watching yeah. the characters having com- mm. you were watching the characters hanging out. So that's a, a conversa- perfect description. And the conversation adds onto the character. So yes. he's using those conversations just that not as uh, me- meaningless. He's using it as a, a character sort of build description. Mm. You know, you can hear what they're talking about, and yeah. you're like, oh, this is that kind of guy. So yeah. yeah, this is also Quentin Tarantino's first and only film as of 2022 to be adapted from pre-existing material. So there was actually a novel um, that the story—that's where the story originates from—and then he took it and he he adapted it. The the difference between um, the novel and the movie was the main. It was still a woman that was the main character, but she was white in the novel, and he changed that to obviously being an African American. And the reason he did that was because he wanted Pam to play the role. That's literally why he did it. There wasn't any other reason. He just wanted her as the actress, so he then adapted that. But otherwise, all of his other films are. His own creation. material creation. Yeah. And then it was Samuel L. Jackson's idea to give his character the long hair and the braided goatee. Yeah, that was quite something, eh? <laughs> I was finished when he was talking because, like, the hair, the way that. It would also go long. Yeah, I know. <laughs> when you he's mean. talking to that guy in the beginning and he's like, yo, come mm. help me out, man. I just bonded, uh, bailed you out of prison. What's wrong with you? Like, I, I, you know, when it distracts you, like, you're actually like, it keeps drawing your eye to this piece of hair that was, like, fluttering about as Samuel L. Jackson speaks. So that was quite funny. He was weird in this film, yeah. And then Quentin Tarantino was actually upset that Pam didn't receive an Oscar nomination for Best Actress. And she was very good, I must say. I actually did enjoy her. Like, I thoroughly enjoyed her. Yeah. The white 1980 Honda Civic, which Jackie drives... Here we go. ...is the same car Butch Bruce Willis was driving when he knocked down Marcellus Wallace in Pulp Fiction 1994. Given how badly Butch crashed after knocking down Marcellus, it's nothing short of amazing that the car wasn't a write-off. This is insane. So the car they crashed... The car Bruce Willis crashed in Pulp Fiction is the same car that Jackie... Pam Greer drives in Jackie Brown. Just think about that. But also another Quentin Tarantino um, thing. Like this is also like a... What do they call it? Like... You know he does the corpse POV. Mm. Another thing he, he often does... Is it a trait? Yes, traits. Yeah. Is you know the, the, the driver's seat shot... So you have the character driving mm. and it's the side. It's like you're sitting in the passenger seat with mm. the camera. Like I know, I can, I remember Brad Pitt shots of that That's in right. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. Obviously in Reservoir Dogs when the cop is screaming his lungs out and then they move forward to, I think his name was Harvey White or something. Um, yeah, they, there's that shot there. Mm. Pulp Fiction, I'm sure they had it in Pulp Fiction. I think it, that Bruce Willis. They had the side, but you see... I don't know if you, if you still call it a, a, Clint, a Clinton Tarantino trait where it was now the, the both of them from a side shot like this. Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay, that, there I, we I go. Remember, I remember that. So that's also yeah. another another trait of his. And then also another trait of Quentin Tarantino is dark humor. So in the scene where um, 
Robert De Niro kills yeah. the blonde, the blonde surfer chick. So he, sh- she is now, she's basically, t- she's actually taunting him. I'm not even going to say mocking or teasing. Like she was taunting him. Like where is it, huh? Where? Like the way she was doing that. He then shoots her. I think in the chest and in the neck or some head or something like that then he continues walking and eventually finds his car and then he still turns around and says see i told you it was over here but now he's saying that to her who he just shot so like that's how he brought in dark humor there where he's acting as if nothing happened meantime he just shot the the Mm. chick twice so that's also uh, another trait of quentin tarantino and then also jackie brown's like no, I found the car with all, everything in it, and then uh, the that uh, can't think of the guy's name now. The Robert Foster. Yeah, he was like, uh, she said, "What? Haven't you ever borrowed anyone's car before?" And he's like, "Not, uh, not someone who's dead." Not say yes. <laughs> <laughs> Shame. And then Quentin Tarantino wanted. Um, Basically, he wanted to see the audience's reaction to key moments in the film. So he spent, this is insane, he spent the first several weeks following the film's release, watching it in theaters. He says, I saw the movie like, as in he watched his own movie, Mm. like 13 times at the Magic Johnson Mm. Theater. The whole um, first four weeks, it was there. I just lived there. I think that's very healthy as a director. How cool is that though? Like imagine you go to watch Quentin Tarantino's Mm. latest film and there's Quentin Tarantino. Or you sit there, you're like, Wait a minute, you're... Yeah. That would be so cool. That it, that would yeah. just be amazing. And like I said, I, I, I don't know if you've noticed, but Tarantino has this, like, his chin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, it's not like you can notice... Like, not, not notice, not notice him, him, yeah. Yeah. But I think that's really cool as a as a director. Yeah, I, no, I think it is. I think that really changes the way that you write your next pieces. Yes. Yeah. And you can see how... Um, Quentin's next films really are affected by the previous film. First of all, because like often he'll he'll cast an actor that didn't make his previous film in his next film. Yeah. So he did that with Samuel L. Jackson. He did that with Pam um, Greer. Like he'll often do that. And then um, also I like how he'll even... So I don't know if you remember in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Sharon Tate's character, the, the, the Margot Robbie who played Sharon Tate she went ended up going to watch herself do you uh, remember oh when yes, she yes, goes yes, to yes, the yes, cinema yes. and then yeah. watches herself yeah um which is cool because it's almost like a nod to mm. quentin tarantino i don't know if sharon tate did that and i remember uh an interview with leonardo dicaprio brad pitt and margot robbie where the interviewer said to them would you ever go and watch your movie in theater? And I think all of them said no, they wouldn't. They actually said they wouldn't go do that. Sure. So the fact that Quentin Tarantino does that and then also that he portrayed Sharon Tate doing that, I don't know if she actually did that based on how those three actors responded to the question. She might have, I'm not sure. That's very interesting. But yeah, I feel like he nods to himself. That's that's very, very interesting that yeah. she say that. Sure. Which is... Pretty cool. Are there any actors out there? Would you go watch a film of yourself? Why not? I feel like to see audiences respond. I think it's nice to see how the audience responds. But I feel like also they mustn't know you there, you know? Well, I wonder if it's a thing. Yeah, look, I think from from that perspective, it can either be from a perspective of no, you know, I don't want to go out there. People are going to, you know, you're going to have one of those nights. Could be could get crazy. Yeah. Or it could be a thing of, uh, uh, you know, I'm I'm just scared that the way that I did a sp- specific part I might just you know cringe or something like that. Mm. That's that's quite. But I mean, it, you, 
you're an actor. You, yeah. You're acting out something specific. Yeah, and it can help you with your And I'm sure actors do it in front skill. of the mirror, don't they? Yeah. Don't they often like, they sit there, they see if they're pulling out the right faces. They Look, I suppose actors do see how audiences react because at film premieres and all film festivals, they obviously watch with an audience that hasn't seen the film. So for example, like Elvis, when they went to um, the, uh, the, the, the Cannes... Film festival, yeah. which is where uh, it was. All, that was Austin Butler's first time watching the film. The other cast members had watched it. Um, he said he was super nervous because Priscilla Presley and Lisa Marie were there, and for him, he was like super nervous for them to see it just because of their relationship with Elvis. And you know, the film is kind of a tribute mm. to them in a way. But they received, I think, a fourteen-minute standing ovation. Yeah. So like. And I mean, that would be people who haven't watched the film. So obviously at like film premieres, they, the, the, the actors would get, but then like the, the audience knows the actors are in the crowd. And do you understand what I'm saying? Like there's, it's not a, it's not like a real raw reaction. Like, cause you, if you know Brad puts in you the, the cinema, you're, you're like, oh my goodness, baby. You know, it like changes the whole experience for you. Whereas if you're just watching the movie, and then reacts to the film. See, that's probably why Quentin Tarantino probably does it. Yeah, he goes to like a, just a normal... Because yeah, it's a big show, the premiere. Yes. Big show, yes. cameras, everyone's, everyone's there. there um, you got to come out and be like, what a great film. I'm good so job. privileged to be directed then by the this next guy. Day, the next day in the, in the like reviews, yeah. Quentin Tarantino's worst film. And yeah. he's like, but everyone loved it at the yeah. premiere last night. What's wrong with yeah. you? <laughs> yeah. So this also is the lowest body count you know, Quentin Tarantino yeah. film. Only four people. Only four people right. died. <laughs> so, of any of Quentin Tarantino's films, you know film, the next couple of films that go. You guys wild again. Although yeah. Kill Bill Volume Two only has three on-screen deaths. However, it has several characters killed during a flashback scene. So that's why it tops um, Jackie Brown in. But this was more of a calm. I think this possibly could be Quentin Tarantino's car- calmest film, if I could put it like that. Yeah. Because uh, it was more. Maybe just put it. Is a just hangout film. You happy? Are you happy now? Okay, can we can, can, can we, we get, get on? back to the blood <laughs> yeah. and the go- And then once upon a time, you know, I remember the first time I watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I was thoroughly enjoying the film, and then I didn't understand. I didn't get the whole Sharon Tate thing. I didn't know, so I didn't know what the film was about. Next minute, that the, the end scene happens. I just, I actually remember. I remember sitting in the lounge. I think my dad was with me, and I remember I was just like. What happened? I don't understand what happened. And I remember looking at him and thinking like, why? Why? But now now I understand. Now, you know, you get it. You're like... But at first, it was very traumatiz- traumatizing. I was I'll like... I'll never forget Brad Pitt's face. Though he's just like, well, hello there. <laughs> he's just like saying there. Oh, okay. He's like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a bit it was a bit intense, Good man. Film. Yeah. Y- yeah, this, after when the action starts and the blood comes out, yeah, then you're just like... Ugh. So we have to ask this question, right? Okay, before we ask the question. So um, just to mention, it's a Quentin Tarantino film, The Language. The language is horrible. Yeah, the language really is horrible. The amount of times that... I think this is the most that Samuel... You know the the phrase mother and then you put the F word there? Samuel L. Jackson, I think this is the most he said that in a film ever. I would imagine so. The, yeah. Jackie Brown is the most he said the mm. that that phrase. So the swearing mm. is horrible. Yeah. And then also there is a sex scene between Robert De Niro and that's actually um yeah. her name's Fonda. Can't remember. The the blonde chick. Now apparently this is this is gross. But apparently um so so he obviously had sex with 
her on you don't see anything they no. don't show you but uh, well you don't see any body parts let me put it like it's that just like but <coughs> yeah it's like okay cool but apparently so he he had sex with her in this film and then in another film he had sex with her aunt so he's the only person to have slept with an aunt and a niece in film history like okay cool that's M- moving right along <laughs> so We've watched six out of Quentin Tarantino's nine. Yeah. Ryan, you have to... Okay, obviously, l- take language out of it. Which was your favorite so far? Pulp Fiction. Really? Yeah. Uh, even the, out of the newer ones? Yeah. Well, n- look, I, 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 I've, I watched Kill Bill a long time ago. Okay, I haven't watched Kill Bill. I actually don't think that there's that much language in the film. But I could be completely <laughs> wrong. Okay. But I watched Isn't it when Kill I, Bill next? But yes, but I watched it when I was like really young. young. And when I was really young, we were very, you know, <clears throat> about movies with language. So I don't think so. Oh, because you wouldn't have watched it yeah. otherwise. But I could be completely. Some some people watching this right now, they're like, oh, you have no idea. Oh, mm-hmm. you, oh, oh he's got something else coming. But, uh, and it was okay. It was all right. Kill Bill was like, yeah, yeah, okay. But for me, so far... Even... So, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I'm Django... Thinking, I'm thinking about that Inglorious now. Men be- Born Out Definitely of Pulp Fiction, just because of the plot. And the there's just... Like a glue that holds you... That keeps your eyes to screen in that film. Yeah, the, the, the conversation, the way that it rolled out, the humor in it. Like, all of it. It's it's just super entertaining. Like, really, really entertaining. And at the end, when, you, when they... When, you know... When the whole ending happens and uh, Samuel L. Jackson's character, like he walks away from the whole thing. And on top of that, the depth where you know what's going to happen next, but it hasn't, it's not happening. It hasn't linear. happened yet, yeah. And then like the two couple walk out, uh, what's it, Honey Bunny? Honey and, and um, wow, what was her name? Uh, Pumpkin. Yeah, and like you, you see how much depth there is to the different characters and the lightness of it. And it's just, it's a really, you're just like, ah, what a beautiful, it's just, it's. Lovely. I agree with the first act and the third mm. act. The second mm. act of Pulp Fiction honestly traumatized me. I was just like, what am I watching? <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> so for me, person, my when I watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, mm. the ending traumatized me because of I was just like, what? Why? What happened? <laughs> we were why? Why? But I I remember watching it the I second missed. time for the show yeah. and then doing research and uh, I just remember my mind was like blown. Uh, I was just like, yeah. what? This is insane. This is like art. Mm. So I really enjoyed Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, especially because that's one of his films that I've actually watched more than once. And then I think um, Inglorious. I'm just gonna call it Inglorious. I remember Brad Pitt's acting in that movie was insane he i think i think that could possibly be my favorite role for brad pitt and also the the start of that movie i don't know if you remember the starts is where christoph waltz is that nazi officer and he goes to the house there you go that scene was so long there you go but it was so Mm. it was so perfect it Mm. was like it i just remember watching it and thinking and the crazy thing about all of quentin's uh, quentin's films is that there's always a question mark Mm, at the end. Do you remember in in Inglorious 
with uh, Christoph, you said it is, mm-hmm. where, where does he recognize the, the girl? Yes. And do you remember his line still? He still looks at it and he's like, and, and, and I don't know if you remember the threat that you felt with this character. Because he was scary. He was shame. staunch. He would just pull a gun and he's like, wait a minute, kapush, and then that, he would kill you. Like, but he would talk so nicely like about the fact that he's going to kill you. Yeah, so it comes that way. And I just remember like watching that scene and he's sitting there and he's like, and he's like, ah, d- there's a question that I want to ask you. <laughs> and he's, and he's, that's it. The face is like frozen. But I forgot what the question was. <laughs> <laughs> and it just rolls on. Yes. That, that possibly could be my favorite one. But once upon a time in Hollywood also. Yeah. Yeah. I, for me, those two are like, mm. yeah, they're. Yeah. Pop Fiction, I really enjoy the first and third act. Fiction. Second act, I was traumatized. Yeah. I was just like. How did we get you? <laughs> Wait, what happened? <laughs> yeah, so for me, that's my my cue so far. But Quentin Tarantino honestly is unlike any other film director, and he honestly makes movies that no one else makes. Like mm. it's it's an exper- it's a Quentin Tarantino experience. Like there's no other film director out there yeah. like Quentin Tarantino. Agreed. Yeah. I would definitely put him on the level of Spielberg. No, definitely. Mm. Yeah. Definitely. Steven Spielberg, though, makes more um, like family-friendly films, yeah. if I could put it like that. But he, even that, for me, watching his film is an experience. Yes. There's just this like way that the film just yeah. slides. I think my favorite Steven Spielberg is Ready Player oh, One. Yeah, we can't even go there. That's that, I, I, th- I just remember Ready Player One. Spielberg. I was like... This is amazing. This yeah. is I just remember mm. and the, and also the way he referenced popular culture in in Ready Player One was oh it was beautiful. Yeah. But that's a discussion for another day because otherwise we'll continue for the next 50 minutes talking about in another show. Steven Spielberg on another day <laughs> in the week. Yeah. So this has been the movie show on Active FM. Till next time. See you then. All the choices you made, did you make them again? Again? Like what you're listening to? Of course you of do. Course you of course you do. Follow us on all social media platforms and engage with us. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and YouTube. This is Ready On Demand. What you want, when you want it. It's Active FM. Active FM, the Netflix of radio, but better.